Thanks for listening to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. We receive so many good questions from military job seekers on a daily basis, and most of them are not unique to that candidate. In order to help you navigate your military to civilian transition, today's episode will focus on 10 questions we've received from listeners, all which would fall into the frequently asked questions category. Your feedback is so important to us in helping us bring you topics that interest you. So if you have any questions we did not address here, send them to me and we'll discuss them on our next podcast. All questions and feedback can be submitted to podcast at oriontalent.com. In today's episode, I'm joined by Steve Jones, a former Army officer and Orion recruiter, to talk through 10 questions we received. Topics include what to expect from your Orion recruiter, how to determine if a company is a good cultural fit before accepting an offer, and whether or not it's a bad idea to exaggerate your current salary to get a higher offer. In this episode, Steve gives some great advice that would benefit almost any job seeker, so if you enjoy it, make sure you share it with a friend. Hey, Steve. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Megan. I appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah, of course. So I know that you've been on um, this show for a couple of episodes now, but in case we have any first-time listeners, can you give us a brief overview of your background and what qualifies you to be the expert for today's show? (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Um, So again, my name is Steve Jones. Um, I've been a recruiter here with Orion uh, for a little under three years now. Uh, My background... um, I was a, I'm a former Army officer. I went more traditional route of doing Army ROTC uh, in college. I went to Penn State University, um, and then when I graduated, I commissioned as an AG officer, adjutant general. Um, so nothing real cool, <laughs> more uh, HR for the Army, I guess. Um, and then I uh, did my I did five years, so I did a little extra time. Um, I, I did get to do one year command. That was important to me. Uh, I did one year uh, in Iraq as well. Uh, so I got my deployment. Those were basically the two things I wanted to do was deploy and then get a command. So I did both of those. Uh, and then that's when I decided to transition. Um, what's kind of cool about my story is when I transitioned off active duty, I actually used Orion as my recruiting source. Uh, I had a friend tell me all about him and um, I went to a, a hiring conference and I was able to get my first job coming out of the military through Orion's help at a hiring conference. So I got hired by Best Buy, uh, basically doing uh, distribution for a warehouse. Um, so I was a warehouse supervisor. I did a lot in customer service. Uh, I got a promotion to quality assurance manager uh, about halfway through my time there. I worked for Best Buy for a total of three years. Um, and then I, I really wasn't looking. I guess you could say I was just kind of you know, kind of passively looking for another option. Um, and Orion, you know, came back to mind and I said, hey, you know, I'll reach out to them and see if they can help me again. Um, and then they happen to have a recruiting opening here in Virginia Beach. So I interviewed for that and I thought this is something I would really enjoy doing. So uh, lo and behold, <laughs> that's why I ended up working here. So I've been here for, uh, like I said, a little under three years. Uh, I, I really enjoy what I do. And it's, it's great because it it's something I went through personally, which everyone here has transitioned. Everyone at Orion is former military, so everyone's gone through this process. But to actually get a job through Orion, you know, it's my first civilian job. I mean, it, it really just helped me see the good things that we're doing and something that I really enjoy doing myself now. 
Awesome. That's really cool, Steve. I totally forgot that about your background having um, been placed through Orion at Best Buy. So it definitely gives you a unique perspective. Not all of our recruiters and account executives, but a lot of them do come here straight off of active duty. So I think that it gives you, yeah, it gives you an interesting perspective because you've really been on both sides as the job seeker and now working with Orion and working with candidates. So um, I think I explained that perfectly earlier when I said that you were the expert for today's show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've seen a, a lot of it from both sides. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. So we received a lot of questions from candidates on everything from engaging with Orion to successfully navigating the interview process. And I've compiled a list of 10 questions that we received that I thought would be helpful for us to talk through in a little bit more detail. Um, I know a lot of our listeners have probably had these questions before. Steve, you probably had them when you were transitioning out of the military. Um, But, you know, at some point in their job search, if they haven't thought of any of these things or they haven't come to them yet, I'm sure they will. So I want to talk about them in a little bit more detail. Are you ready to get started? Absolutely. Fire away. Okay, cool. So question number one, and I think we get this a lot. You, especially as a recruiter, probably get it a lot. But the first question is, after I register on your website, how often should I expect to hear from you? So it's a good question, and it's basically, you know, a lot of these answers will be, you know, it's dependent on the candidate. Um, When you first register, someone should be contacting you, uh, ideally within a couple of days. Um, It really shouldn't be more than a week. Uh, I guess it just depends on how how busy a recruiter is. But again, when someone registers, we should be contacting you, you know, I'd say within the first 48 hours. Again, give it a week, um, but, you know, someone's going to want to reach out and get to know your background and what you're looking for. Um, After that, like I said, it depends. If you're contacting us because you're transitioning out in a year, you might not hear from us very often until you're a little bit closer to your transition. You know, uh, six months out, same type of thing. Um, Our kind of rule of thumb is typically about 90 days from when you give us your date of, hey, this is when I can start a job after the military. You give us that date, we'll typically back up about 90 days. And then we kind of consider you to be in the window. Um, you know, most companies are willing to wait that amount of time, you know, to bring you on board. If you say, if you interview and get a job offer and you can start, you know, in a month, most companies are okay with that. But six months, now we're stretching the limit. So, uh, like I said, it all kind of depends on that. It also depends on what you're looking for as far as location, pay, job type. I mean, if you're very restricted, on, you know, two of those things, it might be tougher, especially location. If you say, hey, I have to be in medical device sales, it has to be in, you know, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and I have to be making 150k a year, that really, really narrows down our capability. You know, and again, if we come up, if we have that job, we will definitely be reaching out to you. But it might be a little few and far between that we get that specific of something, you know, that you're looking for. So again, that type of candidate, we might not be reaching out to as much. Um, But again, if you're a little more open on the industry, more open on, you know, if you have, if you say, hey, I would live anywhere in the Northeast or anywhere within the state of Pennsylvania, then that opens up more opportunity. So um, again, our contact will just be based on what opportunities are a good match for you. So um, whether through email or phone call, you know, we'll be reaching out with different opportunities that kind of match your profile and what you tell us you're looking for. Um, then once we get you into an interview process, so if we submit your resume and the company says, you know, hey, we want to interview this person, 
from there, I mean, you can expect pretty constant contact from us just to make sure things are going smoothly. You know, how did your interview go? Or even before that, you know, let's do some interview prep, um, you know, and, and do like a mock interview or whatever. And then after that, again, just following up, hey, how'd your interview go? You know, what are the next steps? You know, stay in touch. Let us know when you're set up for the next interview. So all of that, I mean, we're going to be in pretty constant contact with you until either, you know, ultimately it ends in a job offer or, you know, hopefully not, but some, you know, if it fizzles out, I mean, we'll, again, we'll be in touch with you uh, up till the very end of that process. That's good to know. I think a lot of candidates probably wonder, you know, past the initial getting signed up and speaking with a recruiter, what the frequency is going to be like and how often they're going to hear from you. And they might wonder, well, I haven't heard from my recruiter in a week. Should I follow up with them? But from what I'm hearing you say, it sounds like you're saying that, you know, basically you've got all the information on each of the job seekers that you're working with. And as soon as a match comes up with a company or an open position, that's when you'll reach out to them. And then during the interview process, it's a lot more frequent communication um, all the way through the accepting of the position. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's really, if you don't hear from your recruiter, it's, it's because we don't have any new information for you. You know, it's not like we're mm -hmm. blowing you off or it doesn't mean you're a bad candidate or anything like that. It just might be, Hey, you know, we're going to be utilizing our time, you know, working with candidates that we have opportunities for that we're able to place, you know, and again, it doesn't mean, hey, people that we can't help forget you, like, we'll still, occasionally you might hear from us just saying, hey, you know, has anything changed? Uh, we have an opportunity here that kind of fits what you're looking for, but it's not in the location that you initially expressed interest in. Are you still just restricted in that area or have you opened up your search at all? So we might reach out to you occasionally for that kind of stuff. But again, a lot of it is just mm -hmm. dependent on, on what we have available for you. I think that's key. It's like, you know, we do work with so many companies in different industries all over the country. But at the end of the day, the opportunities not only for Orion, but for any recruiting firm or company, they're not endless. So, you know, you're going to be kept in mind if anything comes up that you're a match for, but you can't expect opportunities to be popping up out of nowhere being created for you because it's not really how it works. Exactly. And we should, you know, we'll give you a realistic, you know, hey, if this is what you're restricted to, you know, it, it might be a few months before you reach out. Um, so just don't think we're blowing you off. It's just, we don't have anything. Mm -hmm. we do, we're not going to bother you with stuff that we know is not of interest to you. Right. Well, thank you for explaining that because I'm sure that that's one. I know that we got asked that for this specific Q&A, but I'm sure it's something that you hear from candidates a lot as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So number two, what are some of the most common resume mistakes? Well, obviously, as you know, we did a whole podcast directly on resumes, so uh, mm -hmm. I would encourage anyone that's interested in this to, to check that out. But um, the most obvious ones, I mean, typos and grammatical errors, uh, those are really important, you know, just small, minor things that shouldn't happen. But, um, you know, again, that, that the, what we talked about on that other podcast was um, you know, a resume is just a quick screenshot of who you are and what you bring to the table. And that is what you're using to get your foot in the door. And for someone to read that and say, you know what, this person is worth talking to. Um, and if you don't have that, I mean, again, you might be the perfect fit, but they'll never know it because your resume is probably going right through the shredder if it doesn't make sense or doesn't look good and doesn't grab their attention. So, um, you know, typos, you know, it's, especially the funniest ones are candidates that put like one of their skills is attention to detail. And then they have just <laughs> grammatical errors all throughout. It's like, okay, <laughs> obviously 
you know, that's not very, not a good indicator of what you really are capable of. So, um, again, so just having a resume that's, you know, void of typos and grammatical errors, and that's another benefit of working with recruits. We're going to be that second set of eyes on your resume. So, um, you know, we'll be able to go through that and tell you, you know, hey, fix this issue for you. And then we'll make recommendations on formatting and how to make your bullets sound stronger or, you know, say, hey, you're using too much jargon here. I don't really understand what this means. If I don't understand, the hiring manager probably is not going to understand. So we can go through this and try to help you, you know, make this look better. But um, again, just trying to put your best foot forward with that resume, you know, mistakes. I mean, again, like I said, typos are probably the most common thing. Um, but other things, again, just making sure the bullets make sense, the formatting looks good, the chronology, the um, chronological order makes sense. If your resume is just too jumbled and too hard to really follow, again, that's going right in the trash. So uh, those are some mistakes that we see. And like you mentioned, we had another podcast about this where I probably gave the accurate number because I, off the top of my head right now, I cannot remember what it is. But I want to say what I quoted on that podcast was um, something I'd seen on maybe Forbes or something of like the average time a hiring manager or recruiter spends looking at your resume. I want to say it was like 20 or 30 seconds or something like that. So um, I think you're like right, you yeah. mentioned, yeah, so like you mentioned with the typos, I mean, a typo, it it really for most people is going to stick out like a sore thumb. So if there's one, that's a red flag. If you have more than that, then your resume, like you said, is probably going straight in the trash because um, it really just, it just shows that you did not probably put any time into proofreading or like you said, attention to detail. And that's something that everybody is seeking in an employee. So it kind of just gets you, it completely sets you off on the wrong foot right out of the gate. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Okay, so our third question is, how can I find out if a company is going to be a good cultural fit before accepting an offer? And just for me, I feel like this would be kind of tricky, and I'm interested to hear your answer on it, because um, culture is such a cultural fit is such a big thing in terms of, you know, how long you're going to stay at the company, if you're going to progress in your career, really your overall engagement and satisfaction with the company, it's all going to be based on that cultural fit aspect. So I want to hear what you have to say about that one. So this is a good question. It is kind of tricky to figure this out. Um, more often than, I mean, I'd say a large majority of the time, you're going to go on site to a facility before you get a job offer. So uh, more often than not, that's going to happen. I think very rarely I've seen companies make an offer to a candidate when they haven't been out, you know, haven't been out there to see their facility yet. So that's a big thing. When you get there, obviously be very observant of what are the workers doing? What do they look like? Um, you know, how are they dressed? Uh, you know, what does, you can kind of get a vibe just from just being there. You kind of get a sense, is this a, you know, a fun place to work? Is this, you know, a dreadful place to work? You can kind of get a sense of that just from walking around. Most, most times they're going to give you a tour, you know, if you're doing an on-site interview. So um, try to meet, what I did at Best Buy, and, and I don't know how common this is, but when I did my first initial interview, it was with the general manager of the warehouse and then a supervisor. So someone who was, you know, who wound up being my peer once I got hired, um, I realized that during the interview process. So I got his business card and I did the whole, you know, sending thank you notes. That's obviously something we recommend. Um, but as I got his information, I said, hey, can 
you kind of talk to me more about what do you like about this place? What what are things maybe you don't like? And you know, tell me about what the dynamic is with the team and how, you know, what do you have to say about your boss? Obviously, I'm not going to go share that with him, but, you know, what is his leadership style? And trying to get that kind of information. Um, and we became friends, but he was in my first initial interview. So that was kind of unique for me. I don't know how often that will be for most candidates, but um, that really was helpful for me. If you don't have that luxury, uh, really, I mean, ask during the interview. You'll always have the opportunity to ask questions. Typically, at the end of the interview, they'll ask what questions you have. Ask that hiring manager directly. You know, what is it about this place that you like? Or can you kind of explain the, the culture or the dynamic of the team? Or, you know, give me a little sense of your leadership style. I mean, those are all things that are going to tell you, you know, a pretty good idea of what the culture is. Now, it might not be a tell-all, but at least they'll give you a little bit of a sense. And, and you can kind of go with your gut at that point. Um, one other piece of advice, uh, a lot of people will, they'll go read, you know, reviews on like Glassdoor. Now that's something I would tell you to be very careful about. Um, if you do that, that that's fine. Um, but uh, uh, an analogy that my boss always gives, he's like, think of your favorite restaurant, you know, your favorite place that you go to like all the time and go look up reviews about that restaurant. Odds are, you're going to be able to find some very scathing reviews about that restaurant. Um, and, I, you know, maybe they're legit. Uh, sometimes people just like to complain or maybe, you know, people who are upset are more inclined to go write a bad review than a customer who is just completely satisfied with the experience. So keep that in mind. If you go read those reviews, you know, it doesn't give you maybe the, the direct picture of the company. Again, a disgruntled employee, you know, who's, doesn't recognize their own flaws and think, hey, you know, they just, they were bullies and they fired me. They might go and write a bad review. So just be uh, cognizant of that and, and take it with a grain of salt. So I would advise more, just try to get a sense from actually being there than just reading reviews online. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good tip. And I, I totally agree with you that people are more likely to leave reviews on anything, whether it's a product or like you said, a restaurant, any kind of experience. If it's negative, then positive. I think that's just human nature. So I, I agree with you there. And I also want to say, yeah, like you said, leverage the ask the interviewer questions during the interview process. They're always going to say, do you have any questions? And we've talked time and time again on this podcast about how that's such an important part of the interview. You never want to be the person that doesn't have any questions. And um, a lot of times you can get to the interview and feel like they've answered a lot of your questions, but they're most likely not going to answer the culture-related aspects of anything that you might ask. So I would say that that's probably um, your best shot at making sure that you get to ask some of those questions. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier when you were explaining your background. So I want to go back to that for a second, because you said that there was a time that you weren't really working. So maybe this kind of leads us into our next question is about gaps in resumes. You might have some personal insight from this. Um, so the question is, how should I explain gaps in my resume so that it's not an immediate red flag? Uh, sure. And actually, I'm, I, I must have misspoke or something. I, so there was never a point where I wasn't working. So I was always employed. Um, so, I mean, this isn't something I have direct experience <laughs> with, but, um, again, gaps. And again, I mean, there's sometimes a gap on your resume. I mean, it might be a hurdle that you have to overcome and hopefully, you know, you can do that during the interview process. Um, the best advice I can give on this is a, you know, don't, don't be dishonest. I mean, if there's a gap, 
it, let it be there. Don't try to fudge the dates and make it look like, you know, you worked somewhere longer than you did. And most time, you know, people can do background checks or they can verify employment. And, you know, if they sniff any type of dishonesty on your resume, you're definitely not going to be considered for that position. So just avoid any dishonesty. You know, I would just advise that in general in life. <laughs> but um, overall, just with gaps, uh, something we typically don't do at Orion is we typically don't have you do a cover letter, but that's a, a good piece of advice to explain a gap. Like if you, uh, you know, maybe took uh, some common reasons are, uh, you know, a layoff or taking time off to uh, take care of a loved one that's sick. Um, you know, a lot of parents might take time off to raise, you know, to be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. So, I mean, those are valid things. Now, again, if you've taken five years off, you know, to be a stay-at-home parent, Again, that's a hurdle you're going to have to overcome. They might say, hey, you've been out of the industry for five years. Why should we think that you can come in here and just pick up where you left off? Um, but again, with some interview prep and practice and having a good answer for that, you can overcome that. Uh, but again, you have to address it. So a cover letter is usually a good spot to do that. So again, like I said, if, if you have a significant gap on your resume, that might be a good thing to consider when you're putting your resume out there. Um, a lot of people, I'll tell you, I work with a lot of veterans who, when they transition out, you know, they want to take a year off or they want to take six months off and they go hike the Appalachian Trail or, you know, go to Europe and do some backpacking or something like and Those things are cool. And those are, you know, I, I usually advise against having like a personal interest or hobby section on your resume for various reasons. But if it helps explain a gap, then I would definitely, you know, put it on there. Just say, hey, hike the Appalachian Trail, you know, from this time to this time they'll be like, oh okay that kind of explains why you weren't working during that time um but again th those are just some pieces of advice but uh you know like i said a cover letter might help um or uh you know something in the bottom of like a personal hobby or something that uh, would explain it yeah that's all great advice and steve i apologize for <laughs> misinterpreting <laughs> no what no you problem. said very good. Okay, so moving on to number five. Is there a right way to decline a job offer after initially accepting it? Uh, so this one, I mean, this is tough for recruiters because obviously we, we don't like when this happens, but it happens. And I mean, you know, obviously we're not going to hold grudges. We're not, you know, going to be screaming at you. It's like, hey, you told me you were taking this job and, you know, what happened? Um, you know, that's that's not going to happen. Obviously, we want overall what's best for the candidate and we want you to get the job that's right for you i mean that's ultimately you know what we care about um i, I would say for this just professionalism is the key really a key to anything um in this regard it would be communication so I've, more often than not candidates are more oftentimes people are just afraid of that confrontation or they're afraid of you know getting like someone not approving of what they're doing um, so they kind of avoid it. I would say it, it's extremely important here to let us know, let the employer know, whether through a phone call or an email, just let us know. Like it, it's not acceptable for a company to be expecting you to start on Monday and you just don't show up. And like I said, more often than not, that happens if a, a candidate got another job that they thought was better than the one that we found for them, you know, and they accepted it and they just don't show up. And it's like, that that's going to burn bridges and you want to avoid that because mm -hmm. again maybe maybe in your mind you think hey i don't need to let them know because i got this other great job i'm starting it i don't need the recruiter anymore I, who cares about that company because i'm not going to work for them 
I'm good and I don't have to deal with this, you know, kind of awkward situation of telling them, Hey, sorry, kind of going to go back on my acceptance and I'm going somewhere else. But the problem is maybe that job that you're taking isn't what you thought it was going to be, or maybe three, four, five years down the road, you know, those promotions that they promised you didn't happen uh, for any number of reasons. You might be back on the job market and you're probably going to want a recruiter at that point. Maybe another great opportunity comes up at that company that you burned. I mean, they're going to remember that because you're going to be in their system. We're going to remember that because we have our database. So we're going to look and be, oh, this guy didn't show up on this first day. And we, you know, they, you know the company was really upset about this whole scenario. So you make us look bad. So that'll make us hesitant to want to work with you again. And that might make the company hesitant to want to interview you again. So maybe that's a long mm-hmm. shot that that particular company would have another opportunity that you would want. But again, working with us, have that professional courtesy just to let us know. And again, we're not, we're not here to talk you out of anything. We can't come to your house and kidnap you and take you to that job. So just <laughs> be open and let us know what's going on. And that's okay. So just have the open communication and and be professional. That's the best piece of advice I can give. You know, I think just to add something to that, like you said, their information is going to be in our database. So it's almost like your reputation lives on in our database. So even if the recruiter that you worked with is no longer there or you're in a different part of the country or whatever the case may be, we'll still have access to that information. And then, you know, the other thing, just we have a whole podcast episode about ghosting. So, you know, just not showing up on your first day of the job and something to keep in mind there. I don't think, like you said, I think a lot of times it's because people don't want the confrontation. But when you think about how much work the company has already put in to make sure that you have a successful first day, whether it's um, ordering you a laptop or getting your paperwork started with HR, giving you a workspace, all these different things, Um, even if you're not doing it to be disrespectful, it does come across as disrespectful because you're really wasting their time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Okay, so moving on to the next one. Can you give me some tips for not getting discouraged during my job search? Yeah, so like we said um, before, and I'll I'll probably give you a hard time for that, uh, for thinking I had a, uh, you know, a gap. (laughs) But um, I, so again, I'd never have gone through that. I, you know, I've gone through obviously the um, the transition and having to give you know the military basically a six to year notice, six month to a year notice uh, that I'm leaving, and that can be very anxiety real experience because you just you know it's like hey I hope I have something by the infinite uh, you know the the finite amount of days I have left in the military I hope by then I have a job. So I can't imagine the anxiety that goes through people's minds when they're between jobs, you know, and rents come and due, your bills haven't stopped, you know, and you're looking for a job and you're just hoping to find a good fit. Um, so again, with that, I would say, you know, the first thing is you're going to get a job. You are going to get a job. Just continue to stay positive and, and continue to tell yourself that you're going to find it, but take the time to really focus on any ways that you can improve. So looking at how you can improve your resume, um, maybe opening up to different types of industries or types of jobs that maybe you wouldn't have considered before. I'll tell you, for me, I never thought I would be in recruiting. I, I, don't, I didn't even really think of it as a career. And then all of a sudden the opportunity came, you know, kind of fell in my lap, which was awesome. But, uh, you know, or, you know, I would give an example, like people, you know, might not be open to sales. They just think, hey, that's not a career 
I think I would enjoy, but it might be a really good fit for you. You just haven't done your homework on it. So open up to new opportunities, maybe explore different options that are out there and give you a, a wider variety of things that you can apply for and try to have some interest in. Um, and then again, take the time. I mean, you have, so maybe it's not, you don't look at it as free time. You look at it as, Hey, I should be spending every moment I have looking for a job, but you know, try to do some other things that you normally wouldn't have time for, you know, when you have a, you know, an, a, a, a full-time job. <laughs> so doing like some volunteer work, and I'll tell you, volunteering can kind of, you know, again, it's networking. Look at it as a network opportunity. That's how you find out about other jobs. So if you're doing something with a group of people, you know, at a volunteer type of event, and they know that you're looking, they might say, hey, you know, I've, I've heard of this job, or I have a friend who works at this place, and they're always looking for people for this type of job. And I mean, that might just open up new things for you just through networking. So just look at those types of things and how you can spend your time wisely and and be doing things productive that you might not otherwise have time to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice because like you said, it can be really discouraging, especially if you do have you know, a gap in your resume for whatever reason, maybe you were on like a contract role or you quit or you were let go, but whatever the reason is, if you're sitting there wondering, you know, I need a paycheck, how am I going to make ends meet? It can be really daunting. And then you almost take off the table all the other things that we're talking about, it being a cultural fit and um, all these other things. Because at that point, all you care about is getting a job. But at the same time, you do want to make sure that you get a job that's a good fit so that you're not in the same position in six months or a year or what have you. So I think that's really good advice. And I definitely like what you said about networking um, and volunteer opportunities as well. Great. Great. Yep. Okay. So number seven, can I get a job outside of my college degree or MOS? Uh, I am living, breathing, walking proof for both of those (laughs) that yes, it's possible. Um, so it's, I'm not really embarrassed, but people kind of give me a hard time. Uh, so my major, I, I graduated a degree in elementary education. So when I was 19 years old and going to college, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and then as I told you at the beginning of this call, I was an AG officer, which is nothing cool, nothing sexy. It's personnel management, HR essentially. So doing a lot of paperwork, desk job, you know, no one's making a movie about HR officers. So what I say is like, those are two different things. And, you know, when I got out of the military, you know, at that point I kind of figured, okay, I don't really want to be a teacher anymore, you know, for various reasons, HR from the military. It's like, I don't know if that really translates. I don't even know if I want to do anything in HR. I didn't particularly love being an HR officer. So, um, you know, what am I going to do? And that, that's why it was great coming through Orion because it kind of opened the door and opened my eyes to hey, companies want to hire military veterans you know and for me being an officer like they really value just the leadership aspect that officers bring to the table so and that's not just officers i mean ncos you know will have that as well so um for me it just opened up a whole opportunity of things so i I mean i never thought i'd get my job with best buy i was like what qualifies me to be a warehouse supervisor (laughs) really nothing in my mind but to them it was like hey you'd be perfect for this so i did that job and then uh, you know, interviewing with Orion, they're like, man, you'd be great at recruiting. You would love doing this job. And I'm like, I agree. And that's been true the entire time I've been here. So those are two jobs that are completely outside of what my degree is and what my MOS was in the Army. So uh, you absolutely can. Again, a lot of these companies, again, that are working with us, 
it's because they value the, the military background and they know that the military experience kind of brings a little bit more to the table than just the average civilian. So, you know, keep that in mind. And again, there's a lot of jobs out there that you might not even be thinking of that could be a good fit for you that really would be. So absolutely explore those and, you know, you'll be surprised what you can find. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a perfect answer. Um, okay, now moving on to the next one. Unemployment is obviously very low right now. We all know how competitive the job market is. Um, it used to be this dreaded, oh, no, you don't want to be labeled as a job hopper. But I feel like, you know, companies now are becoming so focused on retention. And the reason that that is becoming such a huge initiative is because people are leaving their jobs um, a lot more than they were before because they have more options and opportunities. So um, the next question we have is going to be one that I'm interested in hearing your feedback. So it is, is it becoming more acceptable to switch jobs more frequently? And if so, how many career changes is too many? So what do you think about that one? That's a really good question. I'm sure you'll get a lot of different opinions on this. Um, it definitely seems to be more, I don't want to say acceptable, but I would say it definitely seems to be more prevalent now. And I even look at my own career and I say, okay, in the last 10 years with the military included, I've had three jobs, uh, including the one I have presently. So it's like, I don't consider myself a job hopper, but on my resume, I would have three jobs over a 10 year period. So um, I think a lot, I don't it, I think it's more of a trend with millennials. I think that's what we're kind of seeing a lot of now is people are not staying in one job for, you know, 25, 30 years like they used to. Um, I, I'll just from my own personal experience, like my dad had the same job like my entire childhood so it seems to be uh you know kind of trending to a different way and you, you might get a lot of different opinions on that some people might say okay you know industry with the technology that we have you know technology is kind of taking over and those jobs that you know maybe a manual person would do are now kind of going to technology so people have to kind of main be on their toes and learn new skills and you know, remain relevant in an ever-changing job market. So that could be some of the reasoning as well. Um, but my overall advice for that would just be, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to be labeled a job hopper. You know, if you're leaving a job every year, then, you know, and you have, uh, you know, five, six jobs in a 10-year period, you know, company might look at that and say, okay, well, how? Do, what makes you us think that you're going to stay here for the long haul or you're going to be here, you know, for several years or however long and, and seek promotion opportunities. Like how do we know that you're going to do that and not just jump ship after a year? Because again, companies, uh, that retention is huge because it, it, I think somewhere in our training that we do with companies, it shows there's like a 100 to 300%, you know, amount of the salary that they're paying to that candidate or to that employee that it takes to replace them. So it, there's so much invested in, hiring and retaining people and that's what you mentioned at the beginning is because it costs so much to find replacements more so than what it, it costs to retain people so like I said they're, they're going to be very keen on how many jobs you've had and why you're leaving jobs so quickly so my advice would be you know stick with jobs uh, you know for some people would say a year at minimum, but I, even then it's going to be kind of a red flag. So I would say, mm -hmm. you know, two to three years at a job, I think is important. Um, you know, and then again, the longer you can be somewhere, the better, uh, and, and try to limit the amount of times that you're leaving 
position. So just keep that keep that in mind. Um, like I said, I, I don't feel myself as a, as a job hopper. I've had three jobs in 10 years. So I think that that's probably acceptable. Just really try to avoid those less than a year, you know, movement on your resume, you know, to other jobs. I think that's key. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, your job history overall is going to tell the story because if you've got, you know, three jobs on your resume and you were at all of those for a year or less, then that's going to be a red flag. But if you were potentially at one job for six months and then you held two other positions for, you know, two to three, four or five years, whatever the case may be, yeah, you did have a short tenure in your one position, but I think, you know, overall you could, of course, explain that and explain kind of why it wasn't a good fit or what better opportunity you have, and it would not be a red flag. So it's really just the big picture of things. Is it your first time that you jump ship before even really getting up to speed on the job, or is it the fifth time that it's happened? And that's going to be, I would think, a determining factor for a manager. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, companies are going to be forgiving, you know, if you made one, maybe two bad job decisions. But, you know, after that, they're going to start to think maybe there's something wrong with you that they would not want to bring you on board. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay, so moving on to the next one. Should I tell a company that I'm interviewing with that I've already received an offer from another company? Because I feel like this can be a negotiation tool. Like someone might think like, oh, if I tell them this, then they'll know. But um, I'm sure you have maybe a different perspective on it too. Maybe they really just want to keep the company in the loop. But what do you think in terms of disclosing that information? If you've ever sold a house, you probably, you know, when you get a bidding war on your house, that can be a good thing. Um, kind of drives the price up a little bit. <laughs> uh, but, you know, or sometimes it can, you know, people don't want to be involved in that. And they'll say, hey, you know what, I don't want to be involved in a war here. So, you know, and they might bow out. So I, I don't, I really don't think that this can hurt you. I, and my advice would be absolutely let them know. Um, you know, tell them that you have another offer just so they're aware. I think it can sometimes help expedite the process. Um, so if a company, if company A says, hey, we really like this person, you know, and their interview process might take a little bit longer and you say, hey, well, I've got another option over here that's made me an offer. I'm still interested in, in you guys more, but I have a deadline. I have to let them know. Um, and I don't want to, you know, pass it up if, you know, if I don't have to. So, you know, if you tell them, it gives you two op- It gives you two kind of benefits. One is that maybe they'll say, "Hey, we ha- we've got to move here. We've got to expedite this process and get us get going so we can make an offer quickly." And also, if they know what you've been offered, then odds are they'll probably say, "Hey, if you know if we want to get this person, then we have to at least match that or make a competitive offer. Maybe it helps get you more money." And that might not always be the case, but. Um, it at least will let them know, you know, kind of where you are with another company. It lets them know that you're kind of a hot commodity. You've got other companies that want you and it might make them feel a little bit better about, you know, Hey, if, if another company likes them, they're, you know, again, they might not put a lot of stock in that all the time, but it might be like, Hey, this is somebody that is very marketable. So we better act quick if we want to, if we want to get this person on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great answer, but I want to follow up with our 10th and final question because I think it goes a little bit hand in hand with this one as well in terms of um, what should I disclose, but even going back to what you said earlier about the gaps in resumes, you want to make sure that you're being 
honest because you don't want it to come back and bite you later on if anyone does find out that you maybe um, exaggerated or, you know, um, told a lie during the interview process. But so the last question I have is, can I exaggerate my current salary to get a higher offer? Um, and again, like I said, I would advise being honest, you know, all the time. Um, and I preface that with, you know, like an interview, we talked about that a little earlier. They're not confessionals. You don't have to go deep dive into every little detail and tell them your darkest secrets. But again, like I said, being honest in this case, yes, be honest. If they ask, and I'm seeing more companies ask, what are you looking for? They're not really asking, what are you making now? Mm-hmm. They say, what, what kind of salary are you looking for? You know, looking to make. So they kind of leave that, you know, that, that question, you might not have to tell them what you currently are making. So, if they do ask, tell them, you tell them the truth. But I would say, you know, you can follow it up with, well, I'm currently making this, but in order to make a move, you know, this is kind of the salary range I'm looking for. And that lets them know, you know, okay, we have to, you know, if this is legitimately somebody we want to hire, this is the range that we're going to have to hit. So it, that can help. But again, you can, I, I would always give a range. I would not give a direct number. I would just say, Hey, between this and this is really what it's going to take. And then, hopefully that's a realistic range and again working with us you should know the salary range ahead of time before you're interviewing with any company so as long as you're giving a number that fits you know again you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by giving a number that's too high because they say hey this person's too expensive we can't afford them and then you're out of the process if you go too low i think people sometimes are worried that you're going to lowball yourself and that they're going to make you an offer just you know offer you exactly the bottom amount of what you're looking for that's that's not always the case um for me personally with best buy you know coming out of the military i didn't know what a realistic number was that i I should expect so i gave a pretty low number and they actually made me an offer much higher than what i told them i was looking for so i mean which was great and i think a lot of companies they'll be honest as well hr is involved they know they have to do right you know by people they can't you know, there's a salary range on every position that's published by HR. So they know, you know, what number they can offer. And they're going to evaluate your talent and what you bring to the table to see where you fit on that scale. So for me, that was a good experience of knowing that, hey, they they didn't just go to the lowest number. They offered me what they legitimately thought I was worth for this position. So, um, again, be honest about it. Give them a range. Let them know, you know, another good technique is let them know that, you know, it's not all about the money. Obviously, everyone knows money is important. We need it to sustain our lives. But letting them know, hey, I'm more interested in the growth. I, I want to be here long term. I want to see promotions. I want to, you know, see raises. Like, I, it's not all about the money. So if you make, you know, this is what I'm looking for. But I'm also open to, you know, looking at the long term. So that kind of lets sets them at ease of, okay, you know, we can be realistic with this candidate. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said was key where you said if you're working with Orion, you'll know what the salary range is ahead of time. So assuming the salary range is somewhat comparable or a step up to what you're currently making, which it most likely is because you're probably not going to be presented with an opportunity that's you know much lower or much higher than what you typically would be worth your market value. I think that's a big piece of it is just knowing what the salary range is and then knowing your market value and like you said giving a range you don't have to get you don't have to give a firm number and say 
here's exactly what I'm making. Here's what I want to make. Just give a range. And like you said, I think a lot of companies are more likely probably to ask really where you want to be versus what you're currently making because it's more relevant to the conversation anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I, and like I said, in my experience, that's been true. And in my experiences recruiting, you know, I, I, that's what I've been hearing from candidates as well. So um, like I said, I think it's more commonly what you just described than them asking you a direct number of what you're making right now. Mm-hmm. And if they did, if they did say that they wanted and you know how, to know how much you're currently making, and it is much lower than what the salary is, then that's always another um, opportunity for you to talk about how you're interested in the growth and the opportunity and um, the increased responsibilities that this position offers versus the one that you have. So it's always a discussion point, and I'm sure that they would understand that as well. Absolutely. Well, very good. So, Steve, we just went through our 10 questions. I think it was very helpful. And um, thanks again for joining me. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, I'm good now. And again, thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm always open to doing these with you. So I, I appreciate the time. All right. Very good. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Megan. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.